Check, check, episode 202, check, check. What's up, everybody? Happy holidays. Did your plans get ruined recently? Did you have a Southwest flight all booked? Got packed, got to the airport, found out, nope, it's not going to happen. Southwest has fucked up your holiday vacation. How many people had to pretend they were upset? How many people had to pretend they were so devastated that they had to go back home? Don't get me wrong. I understand it's stressful. A rough airport experience can be straight agony. I get it. But what the news does not tell you, you got to love that. As a way of making a point when you're talking to someone, what the news does not tell you is uh, how many people were thrilled. Wait, we don't have to go to grandma's this year and slip around on her plastic covered couch and avoid her yippy yippy little dogs. We don't have to go. Oh, you mean we go back to our own couch and watch all the sports? It sounds cynical, but what the news doesn't tell you is a lot of people were just fine with that. Isn't that what COVID has taught us to roll with it a little bit? Doors are going to close right in our face. We just go, "Eh, all right, got to adapt a little bit. I think we can. I think we can all adapt. Let's jump into it. New Year's resolutions. Uh, To adapt, to adjust, to not get so carried away with the small stuff. Okay, we're getting it. We're getting it. New Year's resolutions. Some people don't make them. I love them. For the rest of my life, I plan to make resolutions. Just things that you say, I'll work on that. I want to get better at that. I want to eliminate that out of my life. But I'm at the age where it's always going to be the same. Just eat better. More fitness. Be more mindful. When I say eat better, I truly believe people can become as accustomed to eating a shitty diet as they can to turn in their lives around. What the news does not tell you is you can transform your body and mind. I think you could become addicted to healthy eating and fitness, just like you could become addicted to sugar, alcohol, fattening foods, deep fried diet. But the best thing you could do right about now, it's still December, folks. The best thing you could do right about now is just plant the seed of a diet or a resolution and say, but that starts in January and then go full self-destruction mode for the last few days of the holidays. Like right now I'm eating anything because I got on the scale this morning, woke up to the sounds of a baby murmuring, and then it turns into a little bit of a whine and then it turns into a cry. And you're like, all right, all right, all right, all right, I got to get her. But on my way to getting her, I stopped off at the scale. Made a little pit stop at the scale because you're supposed to weigh yourself in the morning. And it said 172. Okay. So I got the ideal weight in my mind of 164. I want to get back to what it says on my driver's license. Although I don't even know why that weight is on my driver's license. I have no clue when I reported that to the DMV. Could have been in my 20s, in my 30s. It could have been three weeks ago. I don't know. But 164 sounds good. So I stepped on the scale 172. How do I get to 164? Well... I can't do what I did last night. Last night I ate eight straight Oreos dunked in milk and I held the Oreos in the milk for about 30 seconds a piece. It almost disintegrates. I like it that soggy. Eight straight Oreos. Pop, 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 pop. Then three ground beef tacos covered in sour cream and melted cheese. Pop, 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 delicioso. Pop, 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 And then, you know, I ate a whole box of Trader Joe's latkes. How Jewish, but yes, how delicious. 
latkes even after Hanukkah? I did it. You know what else Jews do during Hanukkah? We eat a lot of donuts. Who knew? We added another fun tradition. Like gifts. Gifts aren't really a part of Hanukkah. But Jewish parents probably got worried that Hanukkah is going to look real inferior to Christmas because Christmas sells itself. So I think parents had to do some things like Hanukkah claws and let's hang some blue lights and make dreidel fun and more gifts and more gifts and donuts. Yes, donuts because it's deep fried in the oil and the oil represents the miracle. So yeah, let's do donuts, deep fried potato pancakes a lot because you can make Hanukkah fun. You can make Hanukkah fun. It could also be so boring. It could also just be, we lit the candles. Okay, tonight's done. What are we doing tomorrow for Hanukkah? We gotta light more candles. It could just be that for some people. But no, the modern American reform progressive Jews? Oh, we're competing with Christmas. Our kids are getting video games, art sets, and bikes too, I think. Or we're just stuffing our faces with jelly donuts. And going to Chinese food all throughout the break. Chinese food on Christmas. I've talked about it. But I went to Ping's with my mom and my wife and my two daughters. And it was louder than any club I've ever been to. Line out the door. This tradition is now out of hand. Like it became fun. And now it's like, should we just get takeout? It's a little much. It's a little much to stand in a line. Muscling up with the other Jewish families. Shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, table for four with a high chair. Just screaming at some host who's not even a host. Just some guy who's running across the restaurant with hot tea. Just four in a high chair. And we'll do a war wonton. Just start ordering from anyone. Stick your head in the kitchen. It's competitive in there. We'll do the broccoli beef. And can we? No, you don't order from them. You wait and you wait your turn. So New Year's resolution, patience. That's another resolution of mine. Patience, just a little bit. I'll blame the phones. I think I'll blame the phones for making us all so impatient. How we communicate. How we need the immediacy of news and breaking news and updates to that last news story. We need it. We need it. We need it now. Updates from our kids' schools, text alerts, and emails. I got to go back. Back in time. Detach. Become patient. Mindful. Take a breath. Everybody take a breath. You think I'm done? Ground beef tacos, Oreo cookies, and latkes? I'm not. Poured a fat glass of Montepulciano, only the finest Italian wines, chow. You think I'm done? No. Big bag of popcorn? You probably think I'm done. Uh-uh. I had sharp cheddar singles in the fridge. How many do you think I ate? Take a guess right now. Just say it out loud. Oh, no, not that many. I, I went with three. Three sharp cheddar slices in the dark under a blanket. My wife's out of town. You think I'm really using plates? Why? Why do dishes? It's just me sitting crisscross applesauce, we don't say Indian style anymore, sitting crisscross applesauce on my kitchen floor with my fridge door open and the glow of the fridge illuminating one big fat bastard before before January 1st where I go full throttle health mode, maybe even kick it up a notch, get the gym membership going again, got the new Allbird shoes, I'm ready to run the streets. Neighbors are going to wave. Wow, there he goes again. He's really committed, they say. Wow, there he goes again with the yellow Allbirds. He's really dedicated. I know that's what the neighbors are going to say in 2023. But right now, I don't want to hear what they're going to say. I don't want to hear what the neighbors are saying about me. Ooh, there he is. Doughboy's back. Hi, happy holidays. He is getting a little chunky. I know they're saying it. I know the neighbors are talking. What's your resolution? You got one? Less screen time, less phone time? 
Stop tapping the apps. What are some good ones that will actually stick to? One year, I think I was in my late 20s, I said no fast food for a year. And I don't even know if that's a resolution. I'm not going to Google the definition of a resolution. Maybe it's just like a personal challenge. This year I'm not going to have fast food. But I convinced myself that Subway was still okay. And Subway has more chains. There are more Subways in this country than any other fast food chain. You learned something today. And I said, well, maybe I'll just allow myself Subway. Because I'm not going to do Wendy's. I'm not going to do Burger King, McDonald's, Taco Bell. I'm done with all that. That's my resolution. But I think I ate Subway, I'm not exaggerating, three times a week. And it turns out, that's not great for you. It's not great for you. But it's fun. You know it's fun. So let yourself go in the final days of December. No one says that. No psychologist or dietitian or philosopher says it's important to really let yourself go before a transformational stage of life. 2023 is going to be so healthy. Are you kidding? But right now, I've been in the same sweats for three days. And I'm going to make a chili cheese omelet from scratch. And I'm going to eat it right out of the pan. And if we're out of forks, I'm not washing them. I'm just going to use a spatula to get more into my fat face. Hey, everybody, happy holidays. Don't resist anymore. Do not resist. We have the ability to get used to stuff. We can change. You ever get a loaner car? You had to take your car into the shop. They give you a loaner car and you have to get used to the new mirrors. And ooh, these brakes are a little sensitive. Whoa. Got to get used to that. And you're like, I don't, I don't really like all the bells and whistles. And then after what, four hours, you're totally used to it. That's what just happened to me over the last three days. You complain for about 10 minutes. And then a few hours later, you're just totally used to it. That's a microcosm of life. A lot of the stuff we complain about, it's only a few hours before we can adapt. Interpersonal relationships aren't going well. You detach, you look for another. Great. You'll get used to it. What's bugging you right now? Isn't it weird that it's not going to bug you in two weeks? What's bugging you right now? It's not going to bug you in two weeks, but it's still going to bug you today because we're on near side. We can't just see forest through trees. Am I going to use a cliche? Forest trees? Call the kettle black? Isn't that the calling the kettle black? I don't use that one correctly either. Well, isn't that the kettle calling the painted black? Pot calling the kettle today, are we? See the forest through the trees? See the trees through the forest. I don't know. Do you? You probably do. Let's avoid all of those cliche phrases and just make up our own. Let's start new ones in 2023. No more rely on already invented, predetermined phrases that get us through conversations. No more. 2023, it's going to be a unique year. You want to hear a unique story? This is 100% true. In my first year here at Terralinda High, where I went to high school, now I'm a teacher at that high school, load me up with responsibilities. That's what I say. The new employee, he comes in with a smile, load me up. Doing the basketball announcing this year, loving it. I'm also the mock trial coordinator. I didn't even realize mock trial was a thing when I was in high school. Apparently it was a thing. At the previous high school I taught at, I guess it was a thing. I'd never heard of mock trial. I've heard of mock congress. I've heard of imitation crab, never heard a mock trial, but I said, sure, I'll be the coordinator. I'll be the advisor. There are kids who get a case. It's a fictional case. And then they get to scrimmage other high schools and compete against other high schools. I object. Conjecture, your honor. Hearsay, your honor. Now we're going to have a cross-examination. You're closing arguments. It's a full two and a half hour trial. And these kids are amazing. Very impressive. 
So yesterday we go into the city to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. I drive some students in. We got permission slips. December 29th, we all met up, schmobbed down, schmobbed. People using that term anymore? Schmobbed into the city on a rainy day, parked in the Tenderloin, walked these students through some seedy areas. They got to see some rugged areas. You go 20 minutes out of our Pleasantville-looking suburb, you can see a different planet. And between trials, I'm not embellishing this at all. Between trials, we go out for pizza. And then as we're coming back, we're walking on the sidewalk. This is Mission Street around 7th. We all hear what sounds to be a screeching van start driving on the sidewalk towards all of us. Screeching van driving up on the sidewalk. My high schoolers have to scurry to get out of the way. There were close calls. Scurry, scurry, get, 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 watch out, what's going on? The guy in this maroon van gets up on the curb. We're hearing just metal scraping on sidewalk, concrete, and then we see a biker come by and he starts driving a little bit towards the biker and then the biker tries to hit a quick left but throws the phone and the guy gets out of his van grabs the phone and gets back in the van and then runs a red light and honks. Oh boy. What was the most memorable part of your winter break? Jarring. A screeching van driving on the concrete sidewalk as my students have to scurry out of the way. We witnessed a crime. So, because they're mock trial students, they all had theories. They started examining motives. Well, could it be that the biker was a thief, reached through the driver's window grabbed the phone and the driver said, uh-uh, even though it was like a really skinny alleyway street, the driver said, not today, Mm-mm. not today, motherfucker, and came at him. Didn't even care that they were Tara Linda High mock trial students peacefully going from pizza to courtroom number one to scrimmage against Lowell. By the way, I don't know if there was a verdict. I don't think that's how they do it, but I think my school won. I just want to say that. Lowell has a nice reputation, but I think the Trojans put a little beat down on those attorneys. Just the way I saw it. Nobody asked. Nobody asked. Hey, Rosenberg, how did you see this one unfolding? I was like, I don't know. I was just coordinating rides and permission slips. But back to the crime? Uh, do we just go on with our day? Hearts were beaten. Pulse rates increasing. And then, yeah, we just went on with our day. But it's interesting, you take some folks out of the suburbs into an area called Tenderloin, and it lives up to the reputation immediately. You know, sometimes you go to an area and you're like, well, this is considered a pretty rugged area, and you're just like, yeah, but it's fine, it's fine, people live here. No, the loin lived up to the reputation immediately. We saw crime. Then immediately we should have just turned that into a case. And done a mock trial about that. But we got whiz kids over at TL. And then doing basketball PA announcing for the varsity teams. Are you kidding me? Actually played the varsity teams last month. Went to the alumni game. It was basically just, can I run? It wasn't, am I a decent basketball player anymore? That wasn't the question. It was, will I get injured? And can I run? Can I like go up and down the court? Was the oldest guy there. Went with Bartling from the class of 99. Figured there's going to be some dudes showing up from the 80s, maybe even the 70s. There's no way I'll be the oldest guy. The alumni guy was the oldest guy 
there. Couldn't hide the gray hair anymore. They were young alum who were like respectful. Hi, sir. Thanks for showing. Sir? No. Oh, God. I became that guy. Because I remember being on the flip side. As a student playing in the alumni game, the old guys would show up and you're like, hi, sir. Now, I was that. And I blinked. That's how life goes. That's how fast this existence accelerates. I blinked and now I'm in the same gym, but now I'm the oldest guy in the alumni game. Okay. But I got up and down the court to answer your next question. How'd you do? No, nah, I don't know. Maybe C minus, D plus, F plus. I'll give myself, yeah, D minus F plus in terms of skills, but definitely not a full F. No injuries. And there were no times where I like just had to foul a guy to catch my breath. That had to fall into the nobody asked category. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the mock trial day in the city. Woo. And then after you zoom out for a little bit, you realize how sad it is that people are living that way. Speaking of how sad it is that people are living a certain way, Last Chance You is probably my favorite show. They went from JC football to JC basketball at ELAC. Binge watched it harder with more fervor than I've ever binge watched anything. I got through those eight episodes in three nights. And those are long episodes, but I did it because I'm committed to the Huskies of East Los Angeles College, E-L-A-C. Okay. Charismatic coach, almost like a performer of a coach. He knows the Netflix cameras are there at all times because he could do anything. He could go sentimental on you. He could go comedy. He could be a dictator, a tyrant, and he could be a motivator. Coach Mosley. It's an amazing show. And I'd say 30% of the show is about actual basketball. And I care about the games. I don't Google ahead who got a Division I scholarship. I don't Google ahead, even though I could already see that ELAC did not win the state title. Spoiler alert. But they do these in-depth individual stories about how sad the backgrounds are of all the players. Why are they there? These are guys with D1 skills. Most of them but maybe something happened academically, but usually it's something happened with their families or it could be some emotional issues that have never been dealt with because they were always just told, go play basketball. Just go keep playing basketball. Keep playing basketball. No one cares if you've been abused. No one cares if you're depressed. Just sink that J. Just take it to the rack. And then at some point, you know, they're 18, 19, 20, all the baggage of I struggled in school. I struggled at home. I struggled with anger. I struggled with sadness. Now they show up at ELAC and their stories are so heartbreaking. All of them. I mean, we're talking about homeless guys. We're talking about these young black men who are viewing their year or two years at ELAC as the last chance to succeed in life. So it does become the saddest show on TV, even though it's exciting and it's well done and there are some laughs. The underlying theme of the show is that society has failed these people, deeply failed these people. ELAC should not be the last chance to succeed in life, but that's kind of how the show is framed. That's why we got to press reset on all of this. I don't even totally know what that means. That sounds like a fantasy. Let's just reset society for a moment so we don't have this hierarchy of affluent white people. They're in this stratosphere. And then at this tier, this is where those people are slotted. I mean, we're not supposed to have a caste system, but damn. Some people are struggling more than we could ever identify with, right? What do I struggle with? I want to eat better. I want to be less stressed, be more patient. I have the luxury of doing these 
silly little resolutions. For a lot of people on planet Earth, it's, how about survive the day? I'd like to survive the day. That's what being a human is on the most basic level. Hey, what's the human experience? What's the human condition? What are we doing here? We're surviving. And then if you got enough things collectively going your way, then it's thriving. Then are you going to survive? And then thrive and then thrive. But survive the day for a lot of people. I think we overlook the problems of a lot of people because we're incapable. I think most of us are incapable of truly understanding what it's like to grow up in these areas like the tenderloin. We might drive through it, us suburban kiddos. We might drive through it once in a while and go, whoa. Heard about that, saw that on the news, saw a tweet about that. Man, hope they clean this area up and then we just keep driving, right? A lot of us just keep driving through, but it's not like our heart remains in that area. You just hope there's something you can do. You hope something can be done. It's an eye-opening experience. We should all be forced, shoved into a little volunteer work, exposed to seeing what the needy is all about. The needy. We got deep. But yeah, Last Chance You makes me emotional. And I can't stop. I can't stop. I need another season. I need more Coach Mo. I need more. But yeah, survive. I bet a lot of us have different definitions of what it means to thrive. And probably throughout our lives, that has changed. Sporadically changed. Radically changed. What does thrive right now mean? 41, just seeing happy, healthy daughters. Basically boils down to that. Happy, healthy daughters, that's the goal. That'll contribute to my happiness, but how do I keep myself present and attentive? Take care of yourself. It's why you're supposed to get the oxygen mask for yourself before administering it to little kids on flights, which could be a good debate. Shouldn't we get that oxygen mask on that kid first? Nope. We're not here to debate it. Take care of yourself and then you'll be a better parent. Stop eating the eight Oreos and the sloppy ground beef tacos and the latkes at night in the dark with the glow of your fridge light on you looking like a fool. Stop that so you have enough energy in the morning to be all that you can be. You got a busy mind right now? Write it down. I don't do this. I don't take my own advice when it comes to journaling. But if you have a busy mind right now, just write it down. And then four minutes later, see if you feel better. I want to start this. There's some scientific proof that this works. You got a busy mind, right? Just a bunch of stuff. It doesn't even mean bad stuff. It doesn't even mean bad stuff. You got a busy mind. You wake up with thoughts. You wake up in the middle of the night with thoughts. Worries. Could be worries. I wake up in the middle of the night at least once, maybe twice with worries. And you're supposed to just write it down. There's something about that process going from cognitive thoughts through your handwriting into a journal, put it away, and then you get back to sleep. I got to start doing that because the thoughts, the worries, the concerns in the middle of the night, it's a busy mind. It's a busy mind. And knowing that's our wiring. That's us. The homo sapien wiring. It's just where we are as we stumble through this thing called life. We worry about a lot of stuff. And I heard a comedian say, we have antennas. Like humans were born with this ability to know how much we don't know and how much we'll never know. It's all a mystery. Isn't that kind of confusing? A lot of us are trying to make sense of something that's totally senseless. That's why all these religions and doctrines and faiths and sacred holy books and leaders, that's why they've all 
happened and occurred and been invented because people don't love this feeling of, I don't know where I came from and where we're going. I don't understand this and I don't understand that, this expansive universe. I don't understand all that. So if you give us a story, maybe we'll clamor onto that and go, ah, that story makes sense. Ah, that's my belief system. Sure, I'll pass it down to my kids and then we'll just keep the planet going that way. Pass it down these stories. Well, this is my story, so this will be my kid's story, and that'll be their belief system, and we'll go with that. But what? What's that? There's thousands of other belief systems. So who's right? Who's right? Nobody? If your belief system is that you are correct and other people are wrong, that's dangerous. That's going to lead to a lot of conflict, conflicting ideologies. But it all stems from this idea of, I don't know a lot of what's going on. I know very little. And we even know that our brains are incapable of knowing more, but we can all understand that there's more, that there's more out there. Mystery. That's why people are taking ayahuasca. That's why people want telescopes. That's why people read about scientific breakthroughs, black holes, new dimensions, simulations, cloning wars. Now I'm just saying things that I don't know. See, I could easily go off on a tangent about things I don't know. Outer space, afterlife, animal kingdom, procreation, technology. Write down a list of things you don't know anything about. You'll never stop writing that list. So that's the challenge of being a human. It's right there. We know how much we'll never know. We know how much we don't know. No one really knows what happens when we die. We all have morbid thoughts. Every single day, all of us have morbid thoughts that we probably don't share. Like when you say to someone, drive safe, don't you sometimes picture them not driving safe? What would happen? Do you picture your own death sometimes? These morbid thoughts? It's scary. Why is it scary? Because we don't know what's coming next. Why do we pray? Why do some people pray? Make wishes? Why are some people superstitious? It's all because this is such a damn mystery. We're aware that we don't know much, so we'll create the story. But even then... Most of us, not all, most of us know it's still a story. You're sinking your talons into it. And it feels good. It probably feels good. It probably feels really good to be convinced of something that's genuinely a mystery. But if you're convinced that, no, I got the answer. Here's what happens. Here's where we came from. And here's where it's going. Instead, I think I'll just be at peace with knowing very little. And knowing that what I know right now is going to be fairly insignificant to humans 500 years from now. If they ever come back and study this fella from 2023, still 2022. But what I'm experiencing, just the way we would study something from 500 years ago, and it might be a little significant, but it's really just tough to connect with. And you go, wow, they didn't have that. And they didn't think that. And they, oh, they treated people that way. You hope we're ascending. You hope. Does it feel like that? Are we ascending? Is the human race ascending? I know lifespans are longer and I know we're making a lot of technological breakthroughs, but the way we treat others, the way we share the space on earth, are we ascending? Are we plateauing? Who am I asking these questions to? What's going on? Should I change my sweats? Should I pour another cup of coffee? Should we talk about whimsical furniture? Because I think that's the only bullet point I wrote down besides New Year's resolutions. Does whimsical furniture make you happier? If you walk into a business, a bank, a school... A firm? Do you like more curvy chairs? A hospital? Do you like walls that are more whimsical? Does it do something for you? To live in more of an artistic looking world than just dreary and drab and blah? 
I don't have a point. I've just noticed that a lot of the time when places renovate and they upgrade, the furniture becomes very whimsical. Is that a chair? Is that just a cushy pyramid? Do you put a drink on that? Do you sit on that? Is that an ottoman? Is that chandelier legal? Does that mural give you a headache? Is this guy making a point? I don't think so. What does it mean to renovate? Make it better on the eyes, right? Make this place better on the eyes and more functional, more space. And then just like any stadium or any school or any building, it's going to look old in a certain amount of years. I don't just mean like the codes, like the electrical codes and the plumbing and like the stuff that really needs to be up to code for these buildings to exist. But it's interesting, like you read a book about old ballparks and old stadiums and old arenas when they were building these in the 50s. My God, they look so new and cool. And now we look at them as dumps. You got to renovate. You got to get a new stadium. You got to get a new gym. You got to get a new arena. You got to update that bank. You got to update that building. You got to update that school. It's old. You got to attract people. And then whatever we're doing with our new idea of yeah, curvy furniture, make a little curvy. Do that with the chandelier. You give me like a bright, colorful mirror. Now we're talking. That's all going to look old. And what's happening when our human eyes look at something new and then we become used to it. So there's the new, let's call it the honeymoon phase of, well, I'm infatuated with the way this looks. This renovation looks beautiful. And then you get used to it. It looks normal. And then 50 years, maybe 60, 70 years, a new set of eyeballs are going to be on it. Maybe your own eyeballs. And it looks old. And it looks out of date. Who's setting the trends? We're all just sheep. We accept, yes, that now looks old. Got to fix it. Got to improve it. Got to erase that bullet point. Whimsical furniture. What was I thinking? What else? Oh, yeah. I went to the temple one night for kids Hanukkah. Head out to the temple for Johnny Donuts and some menorah lighting. And as we walked in, brought grandma along. My mom saw a friend and she said, Chantal? And Chantal said, Dory? And my mom looked at me and said, her son was born on your exact birthday, September 15th, 1981. And I know that because we shared a hospital room at Marin General in Greenbrae, California. And he is also in this room. And I recognize the name, Mikey Saperstein. And now we're 41. And I think we hung out when we were infants and toddlers a few times, but I have no real memories. I recognize the name and I know the story. Oh yeah, my mom and this lady shared a hospital room and they both gave birth together at the same time. Let's just embellish the story a little bit. And they both went into labor at the same time and both Mikey Saperstein and Josh Rosenberg, two very Jewish sounding names, just came on out together. Birthday twins. And there he is. I see him from across the room and I knew, okay, at some point I'm going to have to say hi. Because that's the common ground. Hey, my birthday twin. Hi, Mikey. And I went up to him. I was holding my five-year-old. And he was holding one of his kids. And I was like, hey, I'm Josh. He goes, I know, I know. They still call you Mikey? He's like, no. Then I said, how have you been? I don't know anything. How are the 80s for you? Hey, how was like 92 to 98 for you? Let's catch up. Let's catch up. It's been a while since we arrived out of the womb together in that room. Which was dirty, so I think someone had to find a broom. I just hope we're all very excited about advancements in the textile industry, which involved a loom. 
What's that sound when you hear a car go by? What's that sound? They go, vroom. Okay, I'll stop this. But Mikey and I looked at each other in the conversation. It could have been nice. I think he's a great guy, a nice guy. But we didn't have a roadmap. We didn't know where to go. What the fuck are we going to talk about? Hey, and then what was it like in the early 2000s for you? Uh-huh. And what do you do? And where'd you go to school? And what are we doing right now? Are we catching up? Was there ever a baseline for us to start? And then we catch up because September 15th, 1981 is on our driver's license. We emerged into this world together and now we're in the same room together. And I like you. I'm pretty sure I like you a lot. Oh yeah, where'd you go to college? And where do you live now? How have you been? 41 years of how have you been? And then my daughter said into my ear, I want to go see the indoor pool. And I was like, hey, let daddy have a conversation. But then I was like, wait, good. Yes, we got an out. Okay, we're going to go check out the indoor pool. I said to this guy at like 9 p.m., we're just going to check out the indoor pool. I'm the worst at abruptly leaving a conversation. And I said to my daughter, Myla, you got to let daddy have adult conversations. And I tried to teach her that lesson. But really, aren't we all just looking for our kids to get us out of adult conversations? We are. We don't say it. Little kid birthday parties, we go. And then what do we do? After about 10 minutes of the adult conversation, where is my kid? What's that? Cotton candy, what flavor? Terrific. Kids, oh, they have so many values, but isn't that one of them? Get you out of that conversation. Love Mikey Saperstein. All right. I'm not sure what happened, but I probably should shower now. I should probably eat some more deep fried food because the diet starts January 1st, and I should probably wish you all a very happy new year ahead. And ask you to leave a rating or a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen. Appreciate that. Micah Julius, I'm talking to you. There's going to be new show music soon. Okay, is that exciting for anybody else but me? I don't know. But we're going to get our third theme song. It's going to be good. It's going to be hot. He asks me, give me a few artists that you like. Give me a few songs that you like. And then he'll apply all of that to his musical skills as he produces something beautiful. This is a subtle nudge right here on episode 202. If Micah's listening, Hey Micah, I think episode 203 should start with your song. That's all I'm saying. All right, folks, this episode's in the books. Peace out. I'll talk to you soon.